After witnessing the media hysteria around Rhea Chakrabarti and the so-called drug ring that is Bollywood, we wanted to understand what exactly are India's current drug policies. So for this week's episode, Academy Mag spoke with Tripti Tandon, Executive Director of the Lawyers Collective. A practicing lawyer, Tripti has spearheaded legal research on drug-based criminalization in India, including constitutionally challenging the mandatory death penalty for repeat drug offenses, and also shifting litigation of drug charges towards a more compassionate approach that prioritizes treatment rather than punishment. So uh, the first question uh, that uh, I, I had personally, because I, I don't, um, I am not that familiar with the uh, drug policies prevalent in India today. Uh, so if you could briefly outline the current legal framework, uh, specifically the NDPS Act, and uh, if you can say something on the changes that the Act has seen since the early 2000s and the 2010s to now. Okay, so India has uh, had a pretty uh, permissive uh, policy attitude towards drugs, but that underwent a change in the first half of uh, the 20th century with um, you know the growing sort of nationalistic movement which began to see our drug policies as being something oriented towards the colonial government's profits, you know, the the opium profits and the, the revenue generated through that. And uh, coupled with that whole, um, you know, the, the sentiment associated with uh, Mahatma Gandhi and his sort of antipathy towards uh, alcohol and drugs and any intoxicant, we were sort of shifting towards um, a less permissive uh, culture um, on on drugs but the the current law is not connected to that the current law is something that was enacted in 1985 pursuant to international agreements that india had signed back in the 1960s and uh, 70s and uh, then you know utilize that window period that developing countries had to bring their law in conformity with what the international requirement was and so the NDPS Act came in 1985 and criminalized uh, both the, uh, you know, all drugs that were required to be controlled under international conventions, including the drugs, uh, the substances that were commonly used here, such as opium and cannabis. And um, uh, in 85, the Act really provided a standard 10-year punishment for most offenses, except a very narrow window where a person could, uh, if they had some drugs, which what was considered to be small quantity and could prove that it was for their own use, then there was a slight window available for a lenient approach. But this provision was hardly used because for you to say, yes, I did have drugs means you're pretty much admitting to being in possession. You're admitting to being guilty, which no person would want to do. So this provision went underutilized. And what was happening throughout the 80s, um, in fact, in 1989, the act was made even more harsh 
than what it was in 85. And there were provisions introduced that nobody could get bail. And there were provisions like a mandatory death sentence uh, in, in, a, in a subsequent case, second conviction. The t- time period for pre-trial detention was increased. Uh, it's normally under criminal law, it's 90 days. Under NDPS, it was made to be 180 days that you could be in, in detention for up to 180 days and then further extend by another 100 days without there being any charge she brought against you. So very, very draconian. But something that was happening was very interesting because a large number of people were simply languishing in jail because they could not come out on bail. Though there were provisions about small quantity, it could, it would, like I said, it would mean that I have to admit that I am guilty. I am in possession and then wait whether the judge considers my case fit enough to grant me a lenient sentence. Mm-hmm. Now, this was something, and, and I really want to bring this out, that this is something that perturbed our courts. It perturbed the judiciary. It perturbed the National Human Rights Commission. So the NHRC commissioned a study on the NDPS Act, as did the Supreme Court in decision after decision say, this person on the basis of the facts of the case before them, that this person is found with very small amounts. And yet they've been sentenced to undergo 10 years, pay you know massive fines of one lakh and above. And uh, the, the court came down heavily as to why this law was so draconian and why were these so-called lenient measures of someone found in small quantity um, not being applied. This is when the government in power back then in 1998, it, it was essentially it was the NDA, the first NDA government, and they proposed um, measures to reduce the severity of the law in relation to a certain class of offenses. And they said, not every person involved in drugs deserves stringent uh, uh, measures in law. That there are some who are perhaps, you know, they, they are a victim of circumstances. I mean, they, they intended to refer to people who consume drugs. And also there are some who are, uh, you know, commit lesser serious offenses. And the basis of seriousness was the amount of drugs involved in the offense, the quantity. Now, that's a debate whether quantity alone is sufficient to indicate what role you play in the offense. But nonetheless, this is what the government chose. And this, the NDPS amendments were finally approved in 2001 to rationalize the sentencing structure, not just sentencing, but even all other measures um, on uh, prosecution and um, uh, trial, etc., on the basis of the amount of drugs found um, in the offense. And I say that this is a landmark moment because it's very rare for Parliament to, you know, agree that they made a mistake and for Parliament to actually scale down punishments from 10 years reducing it to six months for small quantity offences. It's huge and it's very rare for parliamentarians to actually acknowledge 
that they went overboard in punishing people and it's time to sort of scale down and maybe have a more lenient and a more compassionate law so i really think 2001 was a watershed moment um the last set of amendments to the ndps act took place in 2014 they were more to do with uh, ensuring that uh, a, a lot of the narcotic and psychotropic substances have medical uses they are indispensable for patients um you know patients with cancer patients with other uh, you know mental illnesses and other conditions and because of the stringent provisions these medicines were not available so there were measures introduced to uh, you know uh, ease out access for medical purposes that's the last set of amendments we've had in the law right um i read the uh, report that you uh, published i think it was on the uh, international drug policy consortium uh, uh, on their website um and uh, in it i think you mentioned also that in 2014 there were some amendments which actually increased penalties for uh, low level offenses um is was that um because it sounds like historically uh, a pre pre 1998 that uh, so, uh, a lot of cases depended on the person self incriminating almost in order for um uh, a, pe- a penalty to be sort of uh, d- decided um but so in 2014 what what do you think has been the impact of these sort of lower level offenses uh, having a having harsher penalties okay so uh, the the unfortunate development in 2014 was um, when the punishment for possession of small quantity which up until then was up to a maximum of 6 months or a fine of rupees 10000 or both now it's important to remember that small quantity is punishable only with fine also whereas all other uh, uh, punishments under the law are fine and imprisonment both so back then it was 6 months but the punishment for consumption of drugs now in 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 india we have consumption as a separate offense and possession as a separate offense most other countries do not make consumption an offense in itself it's not required under international conventions possession yes but consumption no india has this um, distinction of being one of the countries that makes consumption also a separate offense now punishment for consumption was up to a maximum of 1 year so the government back then um, thought that this is a bit absurd said consumption is maximum 1 year and possession is maximum 6 months so they actually proposed to scale down the penalty for consumption also to 6 months to bring it at par now the parliamentary standing committee which was uh, reviewing the ndps amendment bill of 2011 thought that this is not proper that instead of lowering the penalty for consumption we should increase the penalty for a small quantity uh, possession also so they said you scale that up to a maximum of 1 year so while it is unfortunate it has not had a, a big impact because 
under the ndps act the 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 regime sort of operates differently if you have committed an offense which is punishable with um uh, imprisonment up to 3 years or less so you're still within that range of 3 years or less so which means that small quantity offenses you're still eligible for uh, getting immunity if you offer to undergo treatment you're still eligible for bail you don't fall under the bracket of uh, non bailable offenses under section 37 so the overall impact is not so bad but yes for an individual they now can be uh, you know get a punishment up to one year for small quantity uh, offenses also mm-hmm. so that makes me wonder there was a um, section in the paper that you authored where uh, you bring up a case where bombay high court uh, uh, decided the death penalty for two incarcerated people uh, uh, who are facing drug charges uh, which then was overturned to imprisonment for uh, up to 30 years um i have very little familiarity with sort of drug uh, charge related proceedings in india but seemed like a quite a harsh um punishment uh, is this a pattern that's consistent uh, across the country and um because i at another point you also talk about how the indian government sees uh, drug consumption as in some ways being more heinous than uh, murder i think you specifically right where um because the former is more detrimental to society that the punishment should be harsher so i'm just wondering if um in actual court proceedings is is this a observable pattern of giving harsher convictions well the um well in that case the bombay high court case that's discussed in the paper uh, ultimately uh, this was a person who had uh, two cases against him and uh, so it, you know the harsh punishment as it is even for the first offense i consider 10 years and about pretty harsh if it's a second offense then it can you know go up from 15 years up to 30 and uh, even death now the case before the bombay high court was uh, that the death penalty was mandatory back then uh, if if you had a second offense and it involved a substantial quantity of drugs then you would be mandatorily sentenced to death so this was a constitutional challenge that a death sentence cannot be mandatory the court must have discretion and the bombay high court agreed with that and therefore uh, made the death sentence discretionary although uh, for the petitioners we had asked that the death sentence should be abolished because under international law drug crimes are not considered the most serious crime for which you may have capital punishment um, as 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 a sentence uh, since there is no no taking of life in in drug offenses that's when the bombay high court looked at um, a judgment of the supreme court where it was it was actually a, a judgment decision on bail but the the supreme court had made observations that people who deal in drugs not consume but people who deal in drugs are actually committing a crime more heinous than murder which is an observation i personally don't agree with and 
uh, it's not in accordance with uh, international uh, human rights law. But nonetheless, it was an observation of the Supreme Court saying because uh, murder involves taking of one life, but drug offenses are actually, um, you know, detrimental to the economy and, and society as a whole. Now, to me, this is a you know rhetorical statement. I don't think court decisions and decisions involving people's life and liberty should be based on rhetoric. Nonetheless, that, that, that is a decision. And that was what weighed with the Bombay High Court when it retained death as one punishment but also the possibility of sentencing a person to 30 years. The person, uh, the actual uh, uh, petitioner in that case who had been sentenced to death was given 30 years by the Bombay High Court. Subsequently, in appeal, the Supreme Court reduced his sentence to 16 years. So you see from death to 30 to finally 16 years, right. um, that's what he um, finally had to suffer. Mm. Um, yeah, and so that's making me think, I mean, especially right now, um, the impetus for us to sort of look for closer into this was the sort of current frenzy in Hindi news media, especially um, uh, regarding Sushant Singh Rajput and other Bollywood celebrities, but um, also realizing that we... I don't personally actually have knowledge of what happens on a daily basis in this country. But what was um, su- interesting and sad, but but also uh, surprising, was your uh, recent article about um, a case in Gurgaon during, that happened during the lockdown, uh, where uh, the police charged uh, three suppliers for not providing um, drugs to a person who uh, had died by suicide, uh, who was sort of in an extremely um, unhealthy place personally. Um, and so I was just wondering of, of how... Um, at large, you've seen um, the lockdown impact and harm uh, people who are already facing a lot of personal struggles and, and sort of uh, consume or supply or deal in drugs. Uh, so the lockdown, of course, created a whole host of problems for everyone, but particularly uh, people who are vulnerable on account of their health. And people who are dependent on drugs or dependent on alcohol are one one such category. Now, back then, during the lockdown, uh, the government, one of the ministries, did announce some sort of support and a helpline and and a, a you know fallback detox program for people dependent on alcohol. But they kept quiet about people dependent on drugs. Now, the government's own report of last year shows that there are a large number of, I don't remember offhand, but the number runs in several millions of drug dependent. And these are dependent people. Uh, these are not I really think in users. your article, there was 7.6 million. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mentioned, yes, yeah. yes. So, uh, uh, so you just simply leaves a large number of people with nothing, with no support, knowing fully well that they will not be able to access the substances that they're dependent on. And 
all the more they need sort of medical support and other other interventions that they can access now there was no such thing and uh, there were cases reported where people who were dependent were um, you know perhaps pushed to the extreme of um, and you know deaths by suicide and that was one such case but funnily enough in that case the police decided to uh, you know book so called suppliers who had agreed to supply drugs to this person and they said because they failed to supply drugs they are responsible for uh, the, his death by suicide which uh, they were charged with absurd abetment to suicide absolutely yes absolutely absurd because um, you know if i'm not supplying drugs i'm i am following the law if i'm supplying drugs i'm violating right. the law so how can i be charged with being a lawful citizen and doing what i ought right. to do by law so you know this is typically a case where you apply the standard rules of market and contract not realizing that this is this is an illegal market and an agreement to supply drugs is is an illegal agreement and it cannot be honored in any which way so where is the question of not honoring an agreement and then uh, you know right. abetting suicide and i found it really absurd fitting in the like really rampant like criminalization that was occurring in the peak of the lockdown by the police where even in your article you mentioned where simply sort of walking on a street was almost um, grounds for being picked up by the police um so yeah that was but i didn't know about that specific case and so it was really surprising to read because of how like you said how absurd it sounded um i just have two more questions the first would be what were the difficulties faced by people who are dependent uh, on um drugs but also people who are uh, attempting treatment to access palliative care because i think the report that uh, you did uh, with uh, idpc was back in 2015 and even in that you mentioned that it was extremely difficult for people to um, regularly access treatment clinics uh, and uh, hospitals for treatment so how did the pandemic and how did the lockdown if you can share some information affected that so uh for people who are dependent on uh, opiates a particular uh, category of narcotics um such as opium morphine uh, heroin in particular there is uh, treatment available which requires you to take uh, a, a substance called either methadone or buprenorphine and take that on a regular basis so that you do not experience withdrawal and you don't even experience the the sort of high that you get from drugs you remain in 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 a, you know in a state where you can carry on your life normally normally so to say mm-hmm. now uh, india has had a long sort of you know there's been a long history and for a long time the government was reluctant to introduce this treatment which is uh, known as uh, opiate substitution treatment or ost um because there was there was the sense that oh so you are shifting a person from 
at being an illegal drug user to a legal drug user you're just you're not helping them give up drugs but you're putting them on a on a substitute and many many doctors many mental health care professionals and community of people who use and are dependent on drugs had to wage a long um, fight for oral substitution treatment to be approved now it is still not available widely and the one place where it it really there was a long battle and you know lots of ups and downs including with the law has been the state of punjab because punjab as you know has been facing a very serious problem of uh, opiate uh, dependence with uh, heroin and opium um, um, uh, you know being widely used there and uh, causing people a lot of uh, distress and dependence now in in punjab the 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 government dithered for i'm talking about you know maybe 5 6 years ago the government dithered on introducing oral substitution treatment and so many doctors in the private sector um private psychiatrists or private hospitals introduced it because it's internationally um, permitted and even the the national drug dependence treatment center of, of aims approves it it's just that the the state government was dilly dallying on it so they they were dispensing it now unfortunately some of these doctors were arrested for illegally possessing and dispensing this medicine buprenorphine which is uh, which comes under the ndps act like i said you know some of these substances have medical uses now it was really how can you have people who are saving lives who are treating people who are you know suffering withdrawal and uh serious uh, problems with drug dependence in a medical setting with everything all the registers all the protocols are being followed and yet you had doctors being arrested several doctors faced arrest and spent many months in jail in punjab before they were finally released on bail so you know that's how absurd our drug law had become and it was because of the relentless uh, fight by uh, the medical fraternity particularly in punjab and you know the community of people who use drugs that finally the government approved back in 2017 or 2018 um the punjab government approved oral substitution treatment and said we would provide it in uh, government uh, health facilities and because of that Punjab was able to tide over the lockdown because these facilities remained open so people who were suffering from dependence could access um, um their public, um, medication during yes during the lockdown unfortunately that was not the case in say haryana or other parts of the country mm-hmm. where people really had to suffer on account of the lockdown and not being able to access their medication right. 
because also I, I, I'm assuming that in those places, the privatization of those that that medication and other medications would drive up the prices, making it difficult for a lot of people to be able to access them. Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. Especially since yeah. we've seen in the lockdown, there's a huge crisis of non-payment of wages for workers. So yeah, yeah. In fact, Punjab government was reporting that uh, they they had more people enroll in treatment during the lockdown and you know they were sort of happy with the fact that because they had introduced oral substitution treatment right. they were able to take care and bring in more people in within the you know medical system for for treatment and care right yeah so the last question that uh, i had was we um We've recently seen um, that in the parliament, there's been a trend of passing bills without much consultation, even from other members of the parliament, like with the three uh, farm reforms bills uh, right now. Um, and in your report as well for IDPC, you mentioned that there is a serious lack of consultant uh, consultation with experts uh, and civil society groups when it comes to decision making about uh, drug policy changes um, so has this been uh, has, has this trend within for sorry has this trend for the NDPS act itself uh, and its subsequent amendments continued has it continued and uh, who do you who do you think and and who would be uh, sort of certain stakeholders uh, who would be uh, important to uh, consult and refer to before policy changes are enacted? Um, see, uh, on the on the question of drugs, we've had very, the policy making has been very closed and insular. And even within the government, there are several ministries that address different aspects of drugs. So the Ministry of Health will address not just treatment, but also availability of drugs, um, you know, narcotic uh, drugs for medical purposes. The Ministry of Social Justice addresses, takes care of prevention, takes care of rehabilitation of drug-dependent persons. Then there is the Ministry of Finance, which is the policy-making body. It's also because we have licit cultivation of opium in the country, which brings with it its own set of international um, obligations. So it, it has to look after that. Then there is the Ministry of Home, which looks at the enforcement aspect, the, the punitive aspects of the law. Now, ideally, all of these agencies should collectively look at the law and discuss uh, various problems. But I don't think that happens very often. And mostly it's the enforcement oriented people who have the last word or whose whose uh, you know opinion uh, finally goes into what is happening the others are either not consulted or their voices are too faint now this is within the government forget any consultation outside government with wider mm -hmm. society and if at all there is any attempt to have wider consultation with society, it will just be like a, you know, janta poll. And, okay, what do you think, the, you know, the drug law should be like? And the janta poll will literally, yes, put these people in jail, lynch them, do whatever. We're seeing the kind of, uh, you know, reaction uh, reactions coming yeah. as of now. So this, this aspect of 
consulting people who are affected, such as people who use drugs or people who are dependent on drugs, even farmers for that matter, people who grow drugs all over the world, there is now an attempt to bring those cultivating these plants, poppy plant, cannabis, coca, and saying that their voices need to be heard. They can't just be, you know, brushed aside as criminals because they are poor. They're dependent on subsistence farming. We've not had that. In the past, in the parliamentary debates, it was clear there was one or two MPs who were raising the voices of uh, opium farmers and farmers involved in uh, cultivating cannabis. Other, other, Other than that, there was hardly any voice. So in India, we really don't have this sort of uh, consultative and inclusive environment around uh, drug policy making. And now all the more with, with the trend that even within parliament, there is no debate. Forget pre-legislative consultation, which by the way, is the mandate of the you know every government to have pre-legislative consultation on proposed bills. Forget that even within the parliament, there is hardly any discussion and debate. And these are laws that have a very serious impact on people's uh, life and liberty. Like I said, 10 years and we've had young people, uh, you know, just having their entire life wiped out if they have, if they were, you know, caught with drugs or something that they were, you know, just joint or whatever. And uh, surely we, you know, our young people deserve better than that Um, yeah thank you so much do you have any last thoughts um, that you want to uh, share thank you so much again for doing this interview thank you I I think um, I don't know it's really though you know on the one hand what is happening right now is uh, really kind of attesting to what we knew could happen because of this uh, this draconian law that we have but at the same time you know people have started to question and raise a voice but I, I, I hope that these voices are just not you know on the spur of the moment that the call for reform actually outlives the events and incidents that are taking place and then the call for reform is actually a serious call for reform which um, results in some uh, positive action although it doesn't look like that for the moment yeah but yeah, nonetheless it, it that, that is uh, more sort of passion stoked but I, I agree there needs to be a far more serious conversation of just how like you yes. said, lives that are ruined um, every day by by these policies and it has a very material effect on producers and consumers and it just it, it's it's saddening that that people are sort of not as aware as we should be about it um, so yeah thank you so much Tripti for for joining us and and talking to us about this and shedding a lot of light on on something that even I personally have not uh, a lot of information about thank you so much thank you yeah thank you